Ladies, gentlemen, and friends beyond the binary, welcome to Trope Trophies with your hosts, Jari and Stephanie. But in this episode, we have a special guest. We have my partner, Damien. Hello, what's going on, people? Stephanie couldn't be here this week. She is out on vacation. But today we'll be exploring tropes and we'll be pinning two characters or stories against each other. We will give a brief summary of the trope. Then we have three rounds to prove to you, the listener, that our character should be the winner. Super important to mention this podcast is filled with spoilers. So if you're interested in any of the characters or stories mentioned in this podcast, pause this episode and go watch Ice Age and or Hubie Halloween. So this week's trope is kind-hearted simpleton. The kind-hearted simpleton is a trope best described as someone who lacks intelligence, but they make it up with acts of compassion, politeness, and altruism. This is the kind-hearted simpleton. They are not the sharpest tool in the shed, but is always well-meaning and compassionate towards the other characters. I kind of always like kind-hearted simpleton. I used to think it was kind of like, um, what's that character's name in The Simpsons? Who, Homer? Because I think no. he fits that. <laughs> he is not kind-hearted. Oh, the, the kid, the little kid? No, I mean the neighbor. Flanders. Flanders? Flanders. But he lacks intelligence, though? Yeah, that's the thing. He isn't not smart. Yeah, he got smart. I remember one of my favorite things from him is when he did that store for left-handed people. As someone who is left-handed, I love the idea of just tools and things made for us lefties. Much appreciated, I guess. I wouldn't care. I'm a right hand. So everything's made for me. I think Homer's actually probably the kind-hearted one. Kind-hearted Simpleton of the show. What? Yeah. (laughs) No intelligence. He is, I mean, sometimes, you know, his compassion can be questioned at times. But, you know, his heart's in the right place. He's not even even polite. (laughs) He's always yelling at Flanders, always taking his stuff. (laughs) Who's polite? You know what it is? He's like unpolite for the first 20 minutes of the episode. But then that last five. When it comes to his children and his (laughs) wife, that he's always so close, a tiny violin playing away from losing and having people hate him, especially Bart, who does have no respect and just calls him Homer. Yeah, they just call him dad. It's like, Homer. You're right. So kind-hearted simpleton, I think not. Maybe just simpleton then. He's just a simpleton. <laughs> Simpson. He's the Simpson simpleton. Oh, look at that. That has a ring to it. Is there anything you've been watching this week that I haven't watched with you? Right, because we definitely watch most things together. I did see and finish Squid Game. Mm-hmm. I fell into the, the hype. I mean, if you're on social media, you can't miss it. The memes, the people reenacting. I heard people are making their own Squid Games now. The hype got kind of crazy, so I decided to watch it. It was a good show. I'm not going to say it was the greatest show ever, but it was a really good show. I was hooked. The games that they had the people playing was insane. So I definitely understood how it got hyped because it's definitely an out there story. And from looking at the ending, this definitely seems like the way the ending alluded, there's going to be a part two. So definitely going to watch that. Also on Reddit, because every time I watch episode, I go on Reddit just to read other people's and minds under, on it. I understand nothing of the memes. I'm just sending it to him. I'm like, what is this meme? And he's like, you have to watch the show to get it. Right. Um, like the cookie thing with the umbrella in it. You know, you don't even know. I don't get it. Or the big doll that turns his head. 
I don't get it. Don't understand. But yeah, on Reddit, because I was reading, you know, watch it. After watching the episode, I'll go on Reddit to read about the episode and people's opinions. People kept bringing up a show called Alice in Borderlands that I believe came out last year. Kind of a similar thing where people are kind of set up in like a game kind of atmosphere. So I watched and finished that too. That was really, really good. I actually liked that one more, the Squid Game. So that was another game. I mean, another game, another show. And then lastly, something I started a couple of days ago, a classic that um, a lot of people have watched. I didn't see because it came out. I was kind of young when it first came out. But I'm now getting into The Sopranos. I'm on like episode four or five of the first season. I'm pretty hooked on The Sopranos. It's definitely an out there show. I mean, not an out there show for me. I watched a lot of shows of that. That ilk. How this, many seasons does that show have? It feels like it, it never ends. Had like, I think it said six. Oh, really? I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure when I looked at the episodes, it was only six, but I could definitely be wrong there. But yeah, I'm, I'm watching The Sopranos now, watching a, a classic according to many and, you know, kind of getting an idea of what it's actually about. So you can watch his movie. Isn't it like the pre-story? Oh, the, yeah, the prequel that the just prequel. came out. Now you can go into that. As long as it doesn't leave HBO, I don't think it'll leave HBO. What, Sopranos? No. Oh, the movie. movie. Oh, I hope not, because Sopranos was an HBO show. I would think they right. would hold that bad boy in. But how about you? What you been watching? Well, we've been watching horror movies. Oh, yes, or yes. If we're talking horror, we're mainly talking about Disney Halloween movies. I watched Halloween Town 1, Halloween Town 2. I mean, we've been watching some of the Simpson horror episodes. Treehouse, Treehouse, Treehouse of horror. Horrors. They're okay. I feel like we stopped watching it because the stories don't make any sense. Remember when they just broke out dancing or something? Yeah, at the end of one of the episodes, they kind of broke out dancing. It was kind of like, okay, where did this go? It kind of makes no sense. So we kind of stopped that. But I feel like that's the humor in it, which I kind of like, the nonsensical aspect of it. Not for a horror. I, I don't wanna... think that's supposed to be that horror. Well, why did they have the disclaimer in the front? Oh. Hide your kids, hide your wives. For the little ones, the little kids. No, that is not scary at all. (laughs) Maybe in the 90s, but not in 2021. Oh, we tried watching The Nightmare on Elm Street. I watched How Movies Were Made, Netflix show. I saw about The Nightmare on Elm Street. It was pretty interesting and how they picked people to play these characters in the low budget. Let me tell you, Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween... And Friday the 13th were all struggles to make. Like they literally had less than maybe 300 grand or maybe just 20 grand. Like Halloween, basically the whole cast was basically college students working on a film and they almost couldn't even finish doing production. So it was kind of very interesting and fun to watch. We were watching Nightmare on Elm Street and Damien did not like it. That was no one Not interested at all. Only thing that was interesting was that there was a young Johnny Depp in it. Like, I was like, wow, this is Johnny Depp at 18, or it looks like 18. I was the only interesting part. Like, oh, look at Johnny Depp as a child. The rest of the movie, a bore, not scary at all. I don't want to go off here, but it's... I mean, I don't think it was that bad. If we think about it in the 80s, it's a pretty horrific thing to see. I'm sure, I'm sure. I feel like that is what caused everything from every freaking movie. One, two, three, eight. Freaking Freddy versus Jason vibes. Which was better, in my opinion. I don't... That's probably a controversial opinion to say Freddy versus Jason. I wouldn't Jason say better. We literally... It's better than the, old, than the original. No, we literally watched it just for fun and just to, like, relax and just not take it seriously. I'm like, it was like a 2003 movie. Like, who is that going to scare? 
back then maybe it was scary. I think I remember I think the it was hype just a of slasher. it. Yeah, but like nothing really happened. Kelly Rowland is in it and she gets freaking cut in half and thrown across the thrown room. Across a tree. But at least she wasn't the first to die. Okay. So that's improvement. And yeah, I think that's all we've been watching. A bunch of little horror stuff and Damien and his squid games that I will not be joining and being a part of. By the way, Beyonce would have made it. If she was in Freddy vs. Jason, you know, Beyonce would be like, nah, you ain't gonna let me out like this. She probably would have been the main character right. to the age. I mean, she was an obsession. She was like the main wife. I said the main wife. She the main. <laughs> no, because he had a side chick that was getting crazy. Like, she is the main girl. And that was an Idris Elba, right? Wasn't was he the husband? I don't know. Are we gonna do a quick Google search now? I feel like it was Idris. Because I remember I was shook because... From watching The Wire as well as that movie, I was shocked when the first time I ever heard Idris Elba speak, because I'm like, this guy's from England? Like, you watch him in The Wire and um, Obsessed? Just amazing American accent. It's so natural. And he's a good DJ. I like his song. Yeah. But yeah, Idris Elba is a husband. You're right on that. Look at you. Little film connoisseur. What I, I select. Okay, well, let's get on to the podcast. So round one is introducing the character, setting, and the story. And since I'm doing Sid from Ice Age, I might as well get with it. Okay, this movie was released in 2002. I was a young child of maybe like seven or eight. And this movie was directed and marketed for me. Sid is a prehistoric sloth based on what Google said is the last glacial period that began 100,000 years ago and then lasted until 25,000 years ago. The animals all around the world are migrating to the south to avoid the winter. And Sid is abandoned by his own family, his pack. He's sleeping on a train. He wakes up and everybody's just gone. As he's walking around, he steps on mud and he wipes his feet on these rhinos like dinner, which was like a bunch of lettuce and the rhinos got so upset, they tried to attack him. And then he got saved by Manny, a bitter mammoth who does not want to do anything with Sid. But nonetheless, they end up together and Sid just wants to be with him. So he is protected. As they travel, they come across a woman by the water that pushes the baby, Rashan, after being attacked by saber-toothed tigers, mountain lions kind of vibe back then. And Sid goes out of his way to get the baby and kind of force Manny to be a part of this journey to try to get him back with his parents. They go up into the camp and they realize that it's all been crushed down and stuff. So basically the humans have started to migrate. And though Manny wants nothing to do with bringing the baby back to his parents, Sid convinces that once he returns the baby to his family, he will separate from Manny. And that's all it takes for Manny to be okay with it. And then one of the tigers, Diego from the pack, joins them on the adventure to guide them to the humans, though he was secretly leading them to a trap so they can eat Sid, Manny, and the baby. And plus Ice Age, Sid is just a classic because there has become a whole franchise that feels like it never ends, but we all enjoy it. I love it. And so that's my round one. What about you, Damien? So I am doing Hubie Dubois. From Hubie Halloween. 
So this movie uh, came out last year, 2020. So we're dealing with the pandemic movie here, folks. October 7, 2021. This was a Netflix movie, Adam Sandler Netflix movie. But basically the plot of this story is Hubie Dubois is a delicatessen, works at your deli, cutting up your cold cuts. And while there, you know, this is, it's set up on the day before Halloween, but basically he spends his time getting ready and prepping for his Halloween monitor because that's his job. Every Halloween, he monitors the Halloween activity on the town. But the day before, he meets up with this strange new neighbor, uh, Walter Lambert, as well. And news also spreads that Richie Hartman, a convict, as well as a childhood friend of his, escaped a local mental institution. On Halloween, he works as his Halloween monitor investigating Walter's home after some strange noises. You know, obviously, Walter has a lot of hair on his arms, It's heavily implied what he is, but Hubie doesn't really question what it is at that time. But he goes around going to local parties, monitoring the kids, monitoring the people. And then from there, he um, sees once again his neighbor, Walter, once again. Uh, This time, I believe he had blood on him, if I'm not mistaken. And he was in the forest. It was at this point that Hubie put it together that he was a wolf. So he spends basically this movie with people being kidnapped and being missing during this time, finally puts it together that the neighbor might be the reason why this is all going down. And he goes from monitors to straight up Halloween police and trying to save the town from this kidnapper. And mind you, this is all going down, of course, in Salem, which, you know, why wouldn't a Halloween movie happen in uh, Salem? Yeah, we just watched it yesterday. So I feel like... Definitely, Hubie falls under this trope. Round two, I'll be explaining the character via the lens of the trope. As TV Tropes kindly describes, the kindred or kind-hearted simpleton is someone who lacks in the smart department, but is compassionate and will always do the right thing. Like Sid does by taking the baby and convincing everyone to migrate and follow the humans to return instead of just abandoning it or giving it to some other animal to eat. But on their adventure, an example of Sid just being such a good, kind-hearted sloth (laughs) discovers that the baby's hungry and he's like crying. So they go through this whole roundabout of seeing like the last three watermelons. The baby's like pointing at it so happy. Like, yeah, there's a bunch of dodo birds. And like the joke is about how these dodo birds became extinct. I love this scene. These birds are so stupid. They don't even... Classic scene. (laughs) They don't even know how to freaking cut the watermelon. They're just like, it's just food. For some reason, they finally found a way to get the watermelon and... They didn't know how to do it. Out of nowhere, it just breaks. And then the baby's like, hey, this is how you eat it. And they're like, oh, okay. Just learning about humans and how they eat things because it's so unrelatable. Besides Sid coddling Rashawn, the baby, by constantly trying to protect the kid, though minusly not realizing Diego's urge to eat the kid, the following morning after they have the baby eating, Sid takes the baby to a mud crater where he meets two female sloths named Jennifer and Rachel, and he tries to court them by using the baby. So kind of like what guys do when they bring their dogs to the park, I guess, if that's another trope to bring up. But Diego keeps insisting that there is a shortcut. And as Sid holds the baby and shows him to the painting of his people, he's just like giving him around like, hey, humans made this. And just being a total parent to this missing baby and it's so nice and so kind he just warms my heart 
even though he is so dumb because he doesn't get the cues of like danger being around him. And he just is like, hey, I'm with Diego and Manny. Even when the rhinos see him again, he's just like, Diego, put my neck in your mouth. And Diego does it. And the rhinos are like, damn, they got to him. And then Diego, he's like, hey, Diego, you can let me go now. And he's just holding on to him because he's just like, I hate you. And he let him go because he was like, ew, this guy stinks. That's also another running joke about Sid. He stinks, but he's kind. As soon as Diego leads them to the ambush, Sid makes a decoy baby made out of snow to distract the saber-toothed tiger packs, but is ultimately caught. He just really goes out of his way to get the baby returned. And you know what? They do get the baby returned. And instead of them splitting up as a group, Sid suggests that they all stay together and they're their own little weird herd of a mammoth, a tiger, and a sloth. I think that is very sweet. And that makes Ice Age such a classic. For Hubie and why he is such a kind-hearted simpleton, well, let's just start off with his voice. It's hard to describe the voice. I'm certainly not going to do an impersonation. But I looked up what the origin of the voice was from the beginning. But Adam Sandler, he has stated that the voice comes from him as a kid when he was getting picked on. And when he tried to stand up for himself, he would just, he would mutter his comebacks. So that's the whole reasoning of the voice itself. So to anyone watching this and who have watched it with Hubie and his voice, that's the reasoning behind the voice. There's no other reason behind it. Wait, is this Adam Sandler saying that Adam the Sandler, voice that's that why he used? That's why he did that voice. Oh, wow. So the characters, his character's almost like, a, I guess, a man-child, if you will. For sure. If that's the word I would say. But yeah, let's, let's get into why he's a simpleton. I'll start there. First off, one of the funny things he does is he lies about this girl, his girlfriend, twice. First, he does it to this bully by the name of uh, Blandolfa. He lies about his girlfriend. He first off says he's a Canadian. She is a Canadian resident of Canada. Which, why? <laughs> just say she's Canadian. That's or just the- admit that you're lying. I mean, that's the first part. Then he says he states he's from the Canada dry region of Canada. He uttered those words. And at first I thought, you know, since he hates his character, maybe this is a sarcastic kind of thing to him just to mess with the bully. But a few scenes after when he first meets his roommate, he also lies to the roommate. And mind you, the first time he meets the roommate, he falls off. I mean, I'm sorry, I say roommate, neighbor. First time he meets his neighbor, he falls off his bike and the neighbor, you know, politely picks him up, have a little conversation, talks about all the uh, Halloween decorations in front of the house, having a good conversation. No problem. Which was there. like ridiculously too much decoration. Wild, it was wildly alive. Like there was no door to be seen with all the decorations. Basically. But he lies again about the girlfriend to his neighbor. This time he says she's from the northern section of Canada called Ontarianto, which I'm guessing is a play of Ontario and Toronto. Okay. So that, that let me know it wasn't sarcastic. He's legit lying about having a girlfriend and is doing a bad job. It's simpleton. Like I've lied about having a girlfriend and I came up with a better way than that. Oh, I didn't even know you lied about having a girlfriend. You didn't know that? No. I was like, this was MySpace era. So <laughs> I might have been, I might have been, I can't give you the age, but I was definitely <laughs> under 15. 15, 16, MySpace era, got a stock picture of a girl. Not a stock picture. Yes, and acted like this was my girlfriend. Did she probably hit you up and be like, stop using my picture? Never. It was a stock photo. 
But I did that as a kid and it actually legit worked. What? It like my little cousin Nikki believed it. <laughs> he believed it. And I just did it because everyone had a girlfriend at, at that age and I didn't. Well, you were in the all boys school, so I get the struggles. Right. As an all girl student. But I, at least I didn't um, say Canada Dry. You didn't. I don't even think you probably provided any of that information. I did not. But I cringe at the thought of that, though. Like I did My do space. My space era. Okay, so the next thing, simpleton for this character, showing you the lack of his smarts. His mother buys a shirt. The shirt says boner donor. She got it at a thrift store. <laughs> so the mother doesn't know what it means, but the mom thinks it means mistake. And her example being, I made a boner in math class. Of course, Hubie obviously doesn't know what a boner is and he believes her right then and there. He Stupid believes it. and innocent. And there's a scene later on in the movie. It's a Halloween party for teenagers. They're all trying to kick him out the party because no one likes Hubie in town. He's bullied by everyone. But he goes on this speech and he once again used boner again, thinking it means mistake, saying things like he's made plenty of boners in his past. Oh he said, at your age, I made some huge boners. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so he's just, the man is just clueless. Oh, then he also says that he had boners that he wished he could get back now. <laughs> <laughs> so this man obviously does not know what that be. He, he's just clueless. The man's clueless. That also brings me back to his childhood when his crush by the name of Violet, he like goes through it looking at her like teenage because he's had a crush on her since I think like the second grade, like they've known each other since childhood. Right. And it's a small town, I guess. <laughs> yes, I guess. I mean, I hear Salem so much, but in every movie it makes, gives it a small town vibe. They named Hubie most likely to marry a pillow, which he also <laughs> doesn't know what that means as well. The next simpleton for him is while at a cemetery, there's a funeral service going on. Hubie is digging a grave right next to the funeral service. So literally just lacking any kind of thought that maybe I shouldn't be digging and making noise next to people who are mourning right next to Literally him. throwing dirt. Throwing them at the people. <laughs> like the priest gets mad. The priest <laughs> goes up to him and says, there better not be no dirt on my shoes. <laughs> he got the whole priest bullying him. But that goes back to him just being bullied by everyone in general. Another bullying incident, Lester and Mary Hennessy, they both pull a prank on him. They basically said that there's a strange vehicle around at a parking lot. It's one of those dine-in movies or parking lot movies. I don't know what you call them. Yeah, I think like lot movies lot and movies. stuff. And because he's so nice and he cares so much about keeping people safe during this Halloween time, they literally trick him into looking at. Looking into the strange vehicle. Right. So he goes he goes up to the strange vehicle, obviously trying to see what's going on. Of course, the car starts driving towards him. Either do this the easy way or the paddle way. And his thermos turns into a paddle and starts threatening them with a paddle because, you know, a paddle is going to stop a car from getting you. But this thermos does come into clutch because he uses it to hatch on a tree to escape from the car. And that's another thing about Hubie. His thermos might be the greatest gadget ever. He's like Batman with this thing. Even though he lacks in other areas, the man is... This thermos, he has a genius. I don't know how he got it. And he loves his soup. Yeah, he you know, loves the soup. It's actually a nasty combination. It's pea soup with chicken noodle and clam chowder. 
After he escapes the car, he then goes into like a like a mini, I don't want to say forest because you're in Salem, but in the woods, in the woods. In the woods or the maze? In the woods. No, that wasn't the maze. It was the woods at this point. Oh, in the woods. But in the woods, he saw, Lam- he saw his neighbor. This is the point where he knew the neighbor was pretty much a wolf, but he sees a husky, but he starts threatening <laughs> the dog in public. He starts chasing it into like one of those scary houses, you know, when people try to scare you and everything, right. just looking ridiculous. And then another scene that I thought was hilarious with him as he, he goes into a radio station to kind of figure out who's kidnapping everyone. And at this point, he realizes that it's not um, his neighbor at all. His name was in the police station while the last couple of people were taken. So he realizes it's not them. But at the radio station, um, he realizes that someone had been calling the radio station and saying that they were going to do these things for Hubie that night. So they assumed it was someone who had a crush on him. So he believes he's Violet. He goes to meet Violet and kind of investigate and get a confession out of her. But while there, he's given a code word, the code word being a pumpkin. So basically, if he gets a confession or feels like he's in danger, he says pumpkin. But in true Hubie fashion, he says pumpkin immediately. Like she literally says hi. He's like, pumpkin. <laughs> And she's looking at him like, what is wrong with this guy? But in terms of the compassion, I mean, he's doing all of this for the people, you know, who are getting kidnapped. He's trying to find out who's kidnapping these people. I mean, even before people were being kidnapped, he was doing Halloween monitoring from the start. And then on top of that, when he met Violet earlier that day, you know, he had saw that her son was at the teenage party, but didn't snitch. He was nice enough to keep it on the low. She said, oh, he's home with the sisters, even though he clearly was not. Um, and then in the end, um, or not before that even, when the, in the maze, there was a corn maze in the movie where a kid was going missing. Hubie went there head first, no questions asked. Went there to try and save the kid. And this dark maze at night, the way I would have called 911, I'm not going to no corn maze. Wait, but they no lied to lying. him. They thought... Okay, the guy who was trying to um, scare him, that's the person that the other high school students were like, there's a lost kid. And so that's when he met with Violet's son. Violet's son at that moment. And that, yeah, and that's when he was like, well, shouldn't you be at home with your sisters? Right, exactly. But yeah, head first into the maze, no questions asked. And then that last scene, when he finds out who is the kidnapper, Kidnapper was his mom. His mom was getting revenge on everyone that's been bullying her poor little child. He finds out she's a kidnapper and she has them tied up, gasoline on them, ready to light them up. She like she's ready to up. light them up. She's like, Hubie, I told you about letting bullies get to you and not doing anything about it. So she was about to handle it herself. No, because the police are coming and she's putting gasoline on them. <laughs> Yes. And they're always right there. Yes. And she's like, the cops, they're like, the cops is here. She's like, well, I better get on with it. Like, this old lady is wild. His wild. And mind you, the people that are there are people that bully him. Everyone there are the people that bullied him throughout the movie. And just the kindness of him saves him. And literally, Maya was just like, dang, how long can someone be a loser? Like, he's still a loser. <laughs> Still, still lose a bit. Still that had me dead. You know, always trying to help gosh. those out and trying to figure out who kidnapped them. All right. I just will go down to round three. Why are they bad slash good characters be at the ends of the trope? I think Sid is overall good because he's the heart of the group. He just brings everyone together. And I think the only thing that makes him different from the trope is 
maybe possibly that he's a ugly, smelly sloth. Wow, you don't have to go on that far. I mean, well, he is, but sheesh. Well, I'm just saying the truth. He stinks. Like, no one even wants to eat him. Nobody <laughs> wants to eat him, which I think adds on to his trope and makes him a little interesting how he is just unwanted. It's not like, oh, you know, I feel like Hubie is just like, well, not that no one wants him around. They just want him around to make fun of him. At right. Least. Sid is just like, he is not welcomed anywhere. His family abandons him. All the other animals are like probably giving him wrong directions because they don't even want them to want him around them. Um, he's about to, he doesn't even want to be eaten by these rhinos. They just want to kill him. Just nobody wants him around. And I think that's what kind of elevates him because usually the kind-hearted simpletons are tolerated to an extent Oof. around everyone, but he's just tolerated with a mammoth that hates him on first sight. And then a tiger that has doesn't even want to eat him. I think that's what makes it interesting because it's like, of course, he cares about this baby because no one cares about him. I mean, it's kind of like, I mean, Hubie kind of relates to that too. These are two characters that, you know, nobody kind of likes or respects throughout both their movies. Um, I mean, Hubie, how easy could it have been? Hubie has a mom that actually cares about him and is going to kill all his bullies. Like, she was like, must fuck it off with it. Like, this lady was wild. Yeah, she was was on it. And since parents abandoned him, they were like, I hope he dies kind of vibe. I forgot about that, but yeah. Yeah, Hubie at least has that. He still still got mom was running with him. And he has Violet. Violet is always nice to him in the movie. And so are the kids. They be listening to him. They be, yeah. I mean, they wonder about him. They make comments wondering about him, like what's going on with him. And then the ending, they call him dad. And it's only been a year and he becomes the mayor of Salem. Huey gets a good ending, okay? Sid just gets to be safe and has friends and has now a new little family, which is a good thing. But Huey, he gets it all. He gets it all. But even before that, with everyone bullying him, no one in town liking him. He never, you, you, at the movie, you look at the movie, he never lets any of that get to him. His mindset is on, I am monitoring Halloween. Yeah. No one will be hurt. I need to find the kid. I need to find the people that are kidnapped. I need to figure out who the kidnapper is. Which are people who escaped from a, a sane asylum was his neighbor? Because no, he, no, no, no. Yeah. Because he thought he was a werewolf, but he's not. So. Right. Right. That was, that was another sideline story. It's a solid story, but didn't really add to the, the plot, though. I mean... It was just kind of there. I mean, I think it was there because Hubie thought there was an actual werewolf or somebody attacking animals or right. people because of the pig that was slaughtered. Oh, right, right, right. That, that was <laughs> that, reported. The neighbor was just hungry. The man needed a snack. He was like, oh, no, that was me. I'm out here killing things. I just needed a feed. I needed a feed. Right. But yeah, Hubie um, just... Always thinking of everyone else, you know, always thinking about his town of Salem and the people. And no matter what happens, no matter who bullies him, I mean, the people that bullied him throughout the whole movie, he saves their life. And his mom, who's the only person that's been nice to him and loved him, he's like, Mom, what you're doing is wrong. You need to be locked up. And yeah, in the end, like you said, he becomes mayor. You know, he gets with Violet. But I will add a side note. He Mm -hmm. was 
gonna let his mom set them on fire. It really was like the tiniest split of a second. He thought for a second. Yeah, he had all these flashbacks of all these assholes and he was like, hmm, this is really tempting, but nah. He really came through and saved these people. So they had to respect him. And they they actually gave him kudos because he can deal with so much people bullying him at once. I wasn't going to say second by second. Like, I mean, actually not minute by minute, but like literally milliseconds from milliseconds. Neighborhood kid throwing stuff at him. They're literally throwing their shit on fire at him. And right. he is able to dodge all this shit, you know? The moment someone says anything about everyone else, they have a whole moment of self-reflection. I remember the cop was just like, he arrested somebody and the person that he was arresting was like, oh, well, this is something new. I've never gotten arrested by a Muppet. And he said he cried in his car for hours. So, (laughs) you know, not a lot of people can take all that bullying. So they were like, dang, he's really out here doing the damn thing. Always kept his composure. Always was so nice. I feel like that... That is what makes Hubie so interesting. But yeah. Yeah. Hubie Halloween. I mean, Hubie is my Hubie Halloween, a typical Adam Sandler character and movie. I feel like Adam Sandler's had a few movies where the main character is like the joke, which was what Hubie was, but also the nicest character. So it kind of fits the Adam Sandler formula, (laughs) definitely. Who do you think is the winner, Sid or Hubie Dubois? Leave a comment on our Instagram at tropetrophy.pod. Listeners, if you have any tropes or characters you'd like us to battle, DM us on Instagram. Thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast. For notifications of our latest episodes, subscribe to our show. And if you like what you've heard, leave us a five-star comment on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. If you'd like to follow us on our socials, you can follow me at Jotty Yachty. And you already know you can follow Stephanie at all socials of the Bewitching Bard. And Damien, you can follow him at on Instagram. Yeah, you put me on the spot. I don't know my Instagram by heart. Wow. I think it's D-A-M. <laughs> you really put me on the spot. I think it's I really D-A-M-E. Yeah, Dame. Day, D-A-M-E-1-2-6. You really put me on the spot. I don't mess on around Instagram. Like that. Um, I hope you guys like their guests. Let us know and stay tuned for the next episode. Thank you for listening. Peace out, y'all. <laughs>